You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Broadcasting from a hidden rebel fortress long forgotten since the days of the Clone Wars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their daring crew lead a rebel cell dedicated to bringing you stories of adventure and excitement from across the galaxy. Join them for tales of heroes from the dawn of the Resistance stretching back to the Old Republic. Tales of Jedi and Sith, rebels and Imperials, technological terrors, and fantastic creatures. Legends so great, you won't believe them. But it's true. All of it. So what are you waiting for? Strap in and get ready to make the jump with Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. Hello and welcome back to Rebel Cells for our Forces of Destiny podcast. I'm your host, Cassie Scutch. Today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 8 of Forces of Destiny entitled Bounty of Trouble. Um, before we start anything, including news, I have two things I'd like to uh, just kind of let you guys know. Um, not really Star Wars related, just kind of what's going on and how uh, just things are going around um, here. For all of the past podcasts, I've had a separate like office space that I've been able to uh, utilize in order to record. And I uh, no longer have that space to record, so I'm now recording at home, which should be fine. It shouldn't change anything about uh, me coming out with episodes, however... Um, there may be a little bit of extra background noise that is not, uh, what usually happens in the podcast. Uh, as many of you guys know, I am a youngster. I still live with my parents and my little brother, uh, who are all very supportive of me doing this podcast and they are all going to try their hardest to make their behavior conducive to me recording when I'm at home. But there is the chance that my dog will bark or my brother, who loves playing video games and is in the room across the hall from me, may make a noise. And I will try to kind of weave around those kind of interferences. But just, like, that is something that may change a little bit. And I apologize. Um, Also, I, last week, I had a schedule change and could not record the day I usually record. So I recorded a little bit later. And this week I am needing to record earlier because I am going across the country to visit with some family tomorrow morning. It is Wednesday now. So our news is quite uh, lackluster. I usually have two or three things to talk about. Today we only have one thing to talk about in news. However, it is a doozy because John Favreau, whose show we talked about last week, his live-action show, or we can stop calling it the Jon Favreau live-action show because it now has a name. It's called The Mandalorian, which I talked about last week saying, you know, they had the Tatooinean set, but we never had any real confirmation that the show 
was about uh, Mandalore and or a Mandalorian, and now we do. And that's super cool because we don't, in the in the mainstream of Star Wars and all the regular shows we get, we do not get a whole ton of things about Mandalore. We don't get a whole ton about their culture and especially what they did after the Galactic Civil War. Um, we know a lot of what was going on with them uh, during the Clone Wars and now with Rebels. We have a little bit after the Clone Wars, but now we're going to get what being a Mandalorian entails after the Galactic Civil War and with the start of the New Republic. However, our character, who we do not have a name for yet, uh, has been said to be on the outer reaches of the galaxy outside of the jurisdiction of the New Republic, which could also mean they are within the First Order's, the First Order's, you know, beginning zones, which could also be very interesting because we, I think we got information, it was said that this is while the First Order is forming. So we may even get a little bit more of a backstory to the formation of the First Order and how that kind of went down, which is super cool. Obviously before, last episode came out, I guess it's Wednesday for me, so it came out yesterday, but uh, for you guys, you know, who knows when it came out, uh, I talked about how it could possibly, um, if the show was about Mandalorians, how we could possibly have Bo-Katan and Finn Rao and possibly even Sabine Wren on Mandalore, you know, kind of trying to build after the Galactic Civil War and clean up Mandalore after that kind of devastation to the area that we learned about during Rebels. Um, but now that we know that it is a lone uh, gunfighter, is what they used, the term lone gunfighter, that's very much kind of, that's that's very much off the table. And there's a, I'm sure there is a subgroup of hopefuls that are in a similar position as I, being um, more of a teenage girl um, and being a fan of Rebels. And I will be the first to say that I'm the biggest Sabine Wren fan ever and I'm sure people are going to assume that this lone gunfighter who's in the outer reaches is going to be Sabine Wren uh, met with Ahsoka Tano on their search for Ezra Bridger. I'd love to imagine that. I'd love to imagine that this is the Sabine and Ahsoka show but I think we all know that that's not gonna happen anytime soon. And if we do get that show, it's going to be in an animated format. I'd love, I, I'd love if they would build more onto Mandalorian culture other than what we have gotten within the Clone Wars and Rebels. So maybe stepping away from Death Watch and stepping away from House Vizsla and maybe talking about some different houses. Maybe even one of the houses that we saw at the end of Rebels during that Mandalore arc when we got... Uh, all of the houses banding together under Bo-Katan as the new Mandalore to uh, go up against the Empire. And so this show, I imagine, is probably about more of the backlash after their uh, attempt to free Mandalore from the clutches of the Empire. Because at the end of Rebels, we don't get any closure on what exactly happened when Mandalore was fighting back against the Empire. We never fig We never learned how that ended because we were following Sabine and Sabine's story did not, her story did not continue on Mandalore. It went back to Lothal. 
So we branched off from our Mandalorian. We branched off from what was happening on Mandalore. And I think that was perfectly done in order to give a space for this show to be created and to give backstory to what we're going to get here with the Mandalorian. Um, and I'm hoping that this isn't just going to be some kind of bounty hunter show. It'd be great if there was maybe, if it was a bounty hunter show, I'm sure it would still have stuff to do with uh, the liberation of Mandalore. Because if the, if the end, if it, if it didn't end how we wanted it to, that could very well be a reason why our Mandalorian character is not on Mandalore and is lo alone in the outer reaches of the galaxy. There's so much they could do with this and I cannot wait to start thinking about it and start talking about it. Um, it's coming out in 2019, 2020, somewhere around there. Don't know if we've gotten an exact date. If we have, if we haven't, I'm not really good at remembering those exact type of things. Um, so I'm not really the best person to report on news, but we are getting it soon-ish, soon-ish. We're getting it soon-ish, and I cannot wait for this. I feel like throughout um, this new wave of Star Wars, which includes what we had with the Clone Wars, we've definitely gotten this push of what's happening on Mandalore, and I think that if done properly, and I think this is what they are planning on doing, this show is going to end what they started during the Clone Wars on Mandalore. Because it never, it never really ended, it just kept going. And I think that they're intending this show to bring that all together and bring it to a close and let us know what had happened. And I cannot wait for that. I was beyond excited when I got onto Twitter today and I saw that. Oh man, just as, as a Clone Wars fan and Rebels fan who has seen, you know, how this storyline has started and how it has kind of evolved and how it has progressed, it is beyond exciting to know that we are going to possibly get an end here with a live action show. I, I don't think I could have ever asked for anything more. Um, my friends will tell you I love talking Mandalorian politics. Um, if you get me talking about Mandalorian politics, I will never stop. And um, man, they're gonna hate me when this show comes out because I'm never gonna stop talking and I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I can't I mean, we didn't get, we got the name of the show and kind of the basic plot points. So we didn't get a whole ton about it. I don't think we will for a long time, especially because it's not going to come out until the Disney streaming service comes out. And that's not coming out until fall 2019. So this may not e come out, this may not even come out right when um, the streaming service comes out. I'm sure since we're already, we already know that we are getting the Clone Wars with that uh, release of the streaming service, I'm guessing they're going to try to spread these apart, especially because they've spread the announcements of kind of the synopsis and plans for these out. You know, now that I think of it, maybe Jon Favreau's show, The Mandalorian, will come first because we already knew about it, but we didn't know what it was about. 
who knows? Who knows? Too early to speculate. We're still uh, probably more than a year away from um, either shows coming out. But God, man, I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped. It's oh, 2019 is going to be a great year for us in the Star Wars community. It's going to be a great year for animation fans. It's going to be a great year for just Star Wars fans in general. Um, and I can't, oh man, can't get here fast enough. With that though, we are going to go ahead and get started with season one, episode eight of Forces of Destiny, Bounty of Trouble. In Garel City, Princess Leia is walking through an octagon accompanied by two stormtrooper escorts. As they pass by a doorway, the Mandalorian and rebel operative Sabine Wren is lying in wait. Sabine distracts the stormtroopers with a yellow paint bomb and then kidnaps Leia by lassoing her. Before the guards realize that Sabine has kidnapped the princess, she shuts the gate. The stormtroopers call for reinforcements. Inside, Sabine introduces herself and tells Princess Leia that she has been sent to capture her and to collect the data tape. Leia tells Sabine that she has hidden the data tape to prevent the Empire from discovering that she's working for the Rebellion. The stormtroopers use an arc welder to cut through the blast door. With time running out, Leia and Sabine retrieve the data tape from an interface unit. Leia tells Sabine that the data tape contains the locations of several Imperial bases. Before they can escape, the two are cornered by the bounty hunter droid IG-88, who pursues them with his blaster. Sabine manages to blow up the second paint bomb, which splatters IG-88 with purple paint. The two then return to the blast door and Sabine hides in a corner. The stormtroopers break in and Leia tells them to blast the bounty hunter droid. While the stormtroopers exchange fire with IG-88 and drive him into a corner, Leia and Sabine sneak outside. Sabine thanks Leia before Leia heads back to the building. Sabine tells the princess to keep fighting on the inside while she fights on the outside. Leia responds that she hopes that one day they can fight together. This is one of, if not my favorite episode of Forces of Destiny. Um, I, we have Sabine, we have Leia, we have IG-88, a bunch of just super beloved characters all melded together into an episode that wasn't like the other episodes because a lot of the other episodes, this is the first episode of Forces of Destiny where I really feel like they started branching out into a plot that wasn't just A and B, and they were able to take kind of a double danger situation and turn it around, which they they later on throughout the series kind of figure out how to do a little bit more. But this is kind of the first episode that I feel like they were able to do this, and getting to see Leia and Sabine together was super cool because I think both of those are just both are just great strong female characters that we get to we get to see during the original trilogy era um and both for different reasons uh Leia is definitely more intellectual um and you know thinks things through she's very scholarly not that Sabine isn't uh we do learn a lot throughout Rebels about how Sabine is a genius when it comes to weapons and technology um, and it's just like a different regard of intelligence as opposed to Leia, whereas uh, Sabine is m very much more of a combat-oriented person. Um, and then likewise, you know, Leia can still hold a blaster, she can still hold her own, but it's definitely two characters that are kind of a yin and yang to each other um, in just the sense of physical to mental attributes. Um, and I think 
the two of them paired together is really, really smart on the behalf of the writers of this episode. I also just, I, I love their interactions together. I love Sabine's confusion of, of what title to address Leia as. She's Princess Senator. Leia's just like, just Leia. And not only does that kind of show a little bit more the, these characters' ages, because what, uh, Leia's supposed to be 16 here, Sabine's 18-ish, around there. Um, so they're still, you know, they're awkward. They're teenagers. Like, it's it's all this. It's not really knowing how to go about certain situations, especially in Sabine's case. Um, she's definitely not used to talking to someone who has a title like that. And it throws her off a little bit. And it's it's definitely a little weird because Leia is so accomplished at her age. And I think that's also kind of what that little area ties into is that they're they're telling you how accomplished Leia is just by, you know, Sabine not being able to figure out like how to refer to her because she does have so many prestigious titles. Um, which is interesting. Um, it also it kind of gives younger fans a little bit more context into into a new hope because I can imagine and I think I think younger me even had this same issue of not really realizing what was going on at the beginning of A New Hope and not really understanding what was going on with Leia because we didn't really understand the politics of how her character was uh, kind of interacting with Vader and uh, Tarkin and how that had to do with you know what else was going on didn't understand you know, the whole first, she's running from the Imperial officers. Um, I knew she was a good girl, and I knew they were the bad guys, but we don't really understand her defiance. We don't really understand kind of how that's going on just as younger kids, the audience, the age uh, level of audience of this. I remember not really kind of knowing what was going on there um, and not realizing that she was working for the Rebellion. However, she's still trying to lead the Empire to think otherwise. Um, so I think that this episode here gives a pretty good context for those uh, who may be confused because for, I mean, for younger people, I'm sure everybody listening knows you, you do have to spell these things out for them and they do very well in this, but not in a way that it's looking down upon um, the, the Watcher. It's not being like, I work for the Rebellion, but I don't want the Empire to know that. It's done, it's done it. In a, in a way that lets the audience who may not already know, know. And it also doesn't let those of us who do already know sit there and be like, oh, this is stupid, this is for kids. So I just kind of, I appreciated that little bit here. There's just like so much going on with the dialogue in this episode. I remember laughing so hard at the part in the beginning, right after Sabine captures, with air quotes, Leia, um, and the stormtroopers look down and they go, is this paint? Um, at the time of this episode coming out, I was in a dorm. Uh, I was staying with quite a few other girls. I thought that I was alone in the dorm, and I found out soon after I heard that part that I was not, because I laughed really hard, and then said slash shouted 
is that paint? <laughs> like, I thought that was the funniest thing ever. And um, my roommates did not. <laughs> and I tried to explain it to them. They're like, Cassie, be quiet. And I was like, you don't, it's so funny. It's not that funny, but to me at the time, it very much was. Um, and I love, I love how they give us that piece of Sabine's character because they were able to add that in there and that was applicable to this episode of Forces of Destiny. Whereas in the previous episode, which I'm I'm not going to bash it anymore other than what I'm about to say, they were not able to take the character herself and put it into the episode and make it a part of the episode. But here in Bounty of Trouble, they are. They're able to take that and they're able to put it in the episode. So you have Sabine's little flares here with that paint. And then you have Leia's intellect, her wit, when you get that uh, part where IG-88's following them and so is the Empire. And she knows that the Empire just thinks she was abducted by a bounty hunter. And, oh, there's a bounty hunter right there. We can blame it on him. It distracts the stormtroopers as well as gets rid of the bounty hunter that's actually trying to get our data file. And that's quick thinking on Leia's part, and it's it's giving us that it's giving us that lesson of being able to take things and use something. And I'm I think they did this in another episode. I'm trying to remember which one it was. Um was the episode with Ray Tito and the Night Watcher Worm, where uh, I had talked about how she used this other enemy in order to defeat another enemy. She kind of, she, she turned them against each other, and it ended up in the best possible outcome for her, and they were able to do that again in this episode by pointing both opposing sides at each other and making way for their own escape, which is another just great it's a great lesson for kids it's great because it's it's going to teach it's going to teach them to be able to take stock of their situation and what's happening and figure out how they can take what's happening whether it's bad or good and divert that into the best possible possible outcome for themselves um which is a good lesson it's a good way to think and it's also just great to have uh leia be able to use that um, in her own brain in order to come out on top and it's it's giving us this female character who's able to think on her feet and she's smart and she's able to think things through quick as a whip and I'm, I'm really glad we get that really it's really good to see I just I love having these heroic moments for these characters because even though we do see them a lot throughout other mediums, here we get those moments that are purely just them doing something awesome and it's all canon, but there's nothing in between that's taking away from that, which is good. It's good in short form. It's great. I like, you know, the most powerful part of this episode is those last few lines, uh, what was it? Uh, I'll keep fighting on the outside, or you keep fighting on the inside, I'll, whatever it was. Those last few lines at the end about fighting on the inside and the outside, 
I thought that was such a, it was such a good moment to see the two of them not only connect that and realize that they're working together, they knew that they're working together, but it's, it's almost like a friendship being formed. And we're also getting the lesson that there isn't always one way of fighting. Um, there isn't always one way to take on some kind of establishment or some kind of wrong. You know, you can go at it from outside and fight it with force or fight it in some type of attacks, whether that be physical or verbal. Hopefully, for the audience, it's only a verbal. Or you can try to get in there and dismantle it from the inside. You need to get all your information, and that's super important, too, in any in any kind of situation where you're you're trying to overcome some kind of odds. It's good to know your know what's going on, know your information, and working together with somebody else like that is even better. And I love them kind of acknowledging that and talking about that. And then at the end when they say, you know, hopefully one day we'll be able to fight together, something like that. And um, that had come out before the finale of Rebels. So we know that during the Galactic Civil War, they do not end up fighting together um, unless there was a little bit left out where Sabine left Lothal, but I believe it's heavily implied at the end of Rebels that Sabine does stay on Lothal. Um, but it may not exactly be that. It may be alluding to after, um, to after the events of this initial war. Um, I'm not going to be some kind of theorist and say, oh, Sabine in the sequel trilogy confirmed, but I feel like maybe that might have been a little bit of foreshadowing that we will see them again together someday, and it may not be during this initial war. It may be in the future. It may be in our story with Sabine and Ahsoka. It could be later on sequel trilogy era. We have no idea, but I feel like even though it's Forces of Destiny and it's small, small form, it's not supposed to mean a lot. I know Lucasfilm and I know this story group and I know that they think every word that they put into anything through so thoroughly that I can, I can see how I could definitely be going over the handles and letting my fangirl jump through and just want something to happen. But I can also see where they could definitely be plotting something and dropping little hints at us. And I'm probably just being a dreamer. But what's wrong with being a dreamer? Let's see, what else? Just a couple other short things. Um, I've mentioned a couple times Sabine is my favorite character from Rebels. Um, maybe even my favorite character that we've gotten out of animation, not including... Uh, obviously characters that we have gotten that are in animation but also in live action form. I take that back. I could never disrespect Ahsoka Tano like that. But Sabine is definitely a close second with Kanan and oh gosh. Well now I'm second guessing myself. Anyway, Sabine is up there and um, I always notice whenever Sabine's theme comes on. I don't know why but it is one of my favorite it is one of my favorite songs that has come out of Star Wars Rebels. It's one of my favorite songs by Kevin Kiner. Um, you know, I I think it's up there with uh, Ahsoka Leaves 
and a journey into the star cluster into the star cluster is one of my favorite songs coming out of animation from kevin kiner and if you haven't listened to that one do it it's beautiful it's a beautiful piece of music i'm going way way off track but uh sabine's theme does play here at the end right before we get a little bit of the imperial march there and i know that that's just them putting music in but it makes me happy when they do put a little tiny bit of extra oomph into it by giving that familiar uh, character background music. So it's just so cool. We get to this episode, oh man, I was saying it last week. This is my favorite episode. We get, you know, IG-88 in there. Uh, we get to see him in action, which we have not gotten a whole ton of. IG-88, uh, we, we just haven't gotten a whole lot of him in action. So that was really, really cool to see here. I would love to know um, where his other bounty hunter uh, colleagues and not friends, but acquaintances are, because I don't imagine that they're very far behind him. And that would, uh, I think that'd be interesting to see here, um, especially in the episodes that we have on Garel. Um, obviously our next episode, what is it called? The New Recruit, um, takes place on Garel as well. So I imagine any Ghost Crew episodes we have are going to be season two era here on Garel. And it'd be really interesting if we got some other bounty hunters in here um especially because we know that ezra knows bosk um from oh man was it ezra's journal it was it was ezra's journal or it was one of the young kids books i haven't uh man i read it a long time ago but we know that ezra uh, met bosk so that could be interesting um in a future episode here on Garel to see the two of them um meeting again or even, you know, just gosh, anybody. Obviously not Aura Singh, um, because she's dead by now. We know that from Solo. Could be a dreamer and say Boba Fett, but I think at this point he's probably already busy, but we haven't seen him throughout Rebels. We've only, we, the last time we saw him was um, in that final season of The Clone Wars. That could be an interesting future episode on Garel. Uh, maybe him and Sabine something happening there would be interesting. I'm totally going on a tangent. I don't even know where I started with this. Um, that's how you know that I just, I love this episode. It's a great one. I could talk about it forever. So I'm gonna go ahead and say that that is all we have for today. So thank you so much for listening. And as always, you can stay up to date on all the latest in Star Wars animation news by heading to rebelcells.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rebelspodcast and on Twitter at rebelspodcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at CassieScutch, that's C-A-S-S-I-E-S-C-U-T-C-H. And of course, we're part of the Thunderquack Network head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other podcasts in the network. And if you'd like to support us, you can do that in one of two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch, or by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack and pledging your support. Your monthly pledge gives you access to cool exclusives like the Thunderquack podcast and the Thunderquack group on Facebook. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, really appreciate it. And we should be back next week with the new recruit.